0: Hey, welcome everybody to another Rockfin stream with me, Max Blumenthal. And I have an incredible guest this week who has been reporting live from downtown Ottawa, which has been turned into a red zone, effectively a red zone by the Ottawa police and the Canadian security state. Uh, Canada is, according to my guest, Corey Morningstar, a police state and has enacted emergency law with the power to seize the private bank accounts of Canadian citizens who supported the truckers strike or who participated in it without a court order. Uh, these are sweeping emergency measures that Canada's number two, Christia Freeland has said, will largely remain permanent. Justin Trudeau It has attacked all supporters of the truckers strike against vaccine mandates as people who stand with Nazis and Confederate racists. He's done so in parliament. So to get behind the propaganda, I thought Corey Morningstar, who is a researcher I've learned so much from, uh, would be an excellent guest uh, to actually detail to us what, was going, what is going on on the ground? Who was there? Who are these people that have been demonized by Canada's leadership, the mainstream media, and are now being hounded by the security state? Uh, we, we've seen a convoy organizer, Tamara Litch, actually being held without bail in prison on the grounds that she's a national security threat. So to get behind the narrative, I brought Corey on. Welcome, Corey Morningstar
1: hey thanks for having me max
0: absolutely so um you wanted me to play a clip just to start off yeah um so this is a clip and you can you know explain why you thought it was important to share this clip but this is a clip of justin trudeau um receiving a particular honor
1: it's when he's being made prime minister it's his oath
2: Right, and he's taking an oath. So let's let's watch this. I, Justin PJ Trudeau, do swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada, her heirs and successors. So help me God. I, Justin PJ Trudeau, do solemnly and sincerely swear that I shall be a true and faithful servant to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II as a member of Her Majesty's Privy Council for Canada. I will in all things to be treated, debated, and resolved in Privy Council faithfully, honestly, and truly declare my mind and my opinion. I shall keep secret all matters committed and revealed to me in this capacity, or that shall be secretly treated of in Council generally in all things i shall do as a faithful and true servant ought to do for her majesty so help me god i justin pj trudeau well it seems to be repeating
1: oh no it goes a bit more
2: okay let's just keep putting... but, uh, do solemnly and sincerely promise and swear that i will truly and faithfully and to the best of my skill and knowledge Execute the powers and trusts reposed in me as Prime Minister. So help me God.
1: Yeah, so that's the end. I mean, the reason I think that's so important to play, um, and I actually came across that reading an article last week. Um, Matthew, I forgot his last name. Anyway, it's a good reminder as Canadians, we forget that we're not this um, free sovereign. There's a lot of um, a lot of what would you call it, sort of political theater around Canada and this idea that we're peacekeepers and we're strong and free and that's been learned since we were children singing the national anthem on um, this idea of democracy and so much of it is an illusion. And so when you hear that speech, it's a reminder of who Trudeau serves and he's, he doesn't serve the people, he serves um, the commonwealth. And so I, I think that's important to remember even the red and white flag, the maple leaf flag that we, that we, you know, that people like to, that we've seen so much of in the past three weeks, we have to remember that even that was, um, you know, a proclamation of the queen. Um, even this Emergencies Act is written in the Queen's Privy Council. And so it's just um, the idea, this whole illusion around, it's like in the States as well, our, um, ele- our electoral, electoral system, right? We have the um, liberals and the conservatives, the NDP. The NDP and the liberals are essentially in the pocket of the World Economic Forum. And I'm sure you've seen that video where um, Klaus Schwab is actually talking about how um, Trudeau's cabinet. How he went to see some um, some sort of um, thing with Trudeau, and he he looked at the cabinet and realized that more than half, he you know, were right out of the World Economic Forum. Um, they've groomed them, and. And if you start looking at the young global leaders, you can see that's a big part of it, right? So for years and decades, they've been actually grooming. They've been finding, um, you know, young global leaders and grooming them and stocking the electorate. So this whole idea that we're free, I mean, even right now, what did we, how did we vote for any of this? We had no say in anything, right? And and it's all happening. Um, So that whole idea, um, you know, What's happening now to Canadians and, you know, what I wanted to bring up, this has been happening to Indigenous peoples, um, you know, for for over 150 years. Um, Now it's happening to us, right? So they have... Right now, um, you'll hear criticisms of that, well, no one cared that this has been happening to us this whole time. And that's a really valid criticism, right? Like we have to get behind. This is a really good time to recognize that and to um, understand like Parliament is actually built, the Parliament in Ottawa is actually built on the bones of the Indigenous on First Nations, on ancestral lands that are occupied by the Canadian government. So the Canadian government uses this language, the framing, this occupation, occupation, occupation. Trudeau's, you know, said multiple, multiple times wherever he can get it in the siege of Ottawa, the occupation. But the truth is that this is occupied land. Canada is occupied. This is Indigenous land, Indigenous territory. So we should be um, regrouping and seizing this moment to really, really get behind and support the whole Land Back movement, where the land is returned, where we break away from the Commonwealth, where the land is returned to indigenous peoples, right? Who are the stewards and the defenders of the land.
0: Well, I wanted Um, to talk to you about specifically what's been happening in Ottawa before getting into any of the the politics. Um, Yeah, When When did you- when did you arrive and and, and what, and, and just tell us what you saw and we can start you know, showing some yeah. of the video you shot.
1: Um, I got there last Wednesday. I went with um, one of my neighbors is from Canadian Frontline Nurses. She's a co-founder of that organization. Um, um, she's one of the nurses that lost her job in Canada due to the mandates. And um, so I went with her husband and his kids. I went to Ottawa um, and yeah, I shared room with different people. We actually opened a room up to the truck drivers and to all the people that were coming in cars and actually sleeping in cars week after week in these like brutal, brutal freezing temperatures. And they're coming from the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, I, I did see some transport trucks with American plates but most of them were Canadian. Um, I didn't meet any Americans personally, myself. I only met Canadians. Um, so again, this whole idea that it's this American thing and like all that stuff is complete nonsense. And even your friend, um, Ben Norton, if he had to come with me, if he had been there, he would have had to admit that he was wrong about everything. And he would have joined in because it was honestly, that really was, I'm not exaggerating. That's, that was the best side of humanity I've seen in Canada, that was a real unified resistance. The trades, I saw people, even my partner is Algonquin Indian, and he's Union. He supports me in doing this. He is against the mandates. He's against everything happening, this whole um, you know, this whole uh, rollout of the global, of a global fascist system. Um, so anyway, when I was there, I recognized his union um, from guys there who had this you know the number and the helmets on you know the hats on and so i was able to go up and say hey and introduce myself but so many trades people um people working from ships people working on trucks people working in insulation people plumbers pipefitters um i mean real working class right and when i went into the lobby when i got there the first thing i noticed was just i mean I mean, it sounds funny. No blend stones, right? When I'm going to sort of left, you know, what's called left um, things, everybody has, you know, like really nice clothes, and same boots and very expensive things. And, you know, sort of lots of virtu- virtue signaling and lots of signaling of wealth, there was none of that. And just so much love. Um, so we were able to help giving people showers, giving people food there was no money. There's no money. The first batch of money from the organizers, which by the way, most people, if I'd asked them, um, who the organizers were, most people had no idea who, you know, who anybody else was. The organizers were basically, um, with lawyers in hotels the whole time. I, I didn't see any of them. I don't know if anybody really saw any of them except for at, um, media events. Um, so this was like, a real grassroots movement on the ground. Um, it was self-organized. People fed each other. People looked after each other. Um, like I said, we everybody was helping getting people showers, getting people donations, money. Um, then it turned, I mean, that was Wednesday night. Thursday, I spent talking to people, being out on the streets, looking at the trucks, looking at the signs that people wrote, um, meeting other people. And then Friday was the day that sort of the siege came where, I mean, I've never seen so many cops in different tactical units in my whole life that descended on Ottawa that morning, on Friday morning. And so that's, that took, that went on for the next two days, solid, straight, um, you know, sort of, police brutality and um, holding the line and um, everything that transpired over the next two days and everybody held together and fought against that. And, um, you know, it was a really special moment in in time. It'll be remembered in history. Um, And it's, even though these are scary times, I think it's really, it was a great example of how to build community and how community does come together you know, in times of um, times of pain and anguish, um, you know, war times. This is a this is a war on people. What we see happening, yeah.
0: So here is some of the police brutality that was witnessed uh, against nonviolent protesters in Ottawa. I guess you witnessed some of it. You saw some of the police tactics, but you also saw some of the tactics that the protesters were using. Um, the Canadian security services rolled out a bunch of machine guns and knives to kind of paint the protesters as violent. Um, you know, describe because uh, there weren't enough, apparently there were not enough incidents of violence or hate crimes. There, yeah, or, I
1: mean there
0: there was no. They violence. could make it happen.
1: Yeah, there was no violence at all, and I mean people were highly highly aware that that's what they were hoping for and looking for. Um, violence is something that, you know, there's actually a really great movie out called The Monopoly The Monopoly of Violence that's on the movie right now. It's there for another seven days. People should watch it. It's French. Um, yeah, it's about the state and the monopoly of violence. You know, violence is okay when it's um, used by the state on people, but it's not okay for people to use against oppression, against the oppressors or the state. So anyway, there was no violence at all. It was... It was more like um, Woodstock, you know, Like even at the very end, the very last night, it sort of broke out into a dance party the very last night, you know, with hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of cops, you know, standing that line and behind them. And and someone brought music and people danced because it was so cold, you know, and so jumping up and down and dancing, it was just good for good for the solidarity, um, good um, release of tension. And yeah it was just an amazing it was amazing you know um and we resisted as much as we can obviously we didn't win we have no weapons you can't defend yourself against batons and and there's snipers all over all over the roof you're pepper sprayed i was pepper sprayed tons of people were pepper sprayed way worse than i got it um yeah a
0: little bit of uh <laughs> was that twisted sister d snyder what that Actually, that's a New York rally uh, in solidarity. But there were like, uh, I, my understanding was DJs were actually uh, coming out and doing nightly raves. There were moon bounces. Um, you know, it was sort of a festival atmosphere.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people came down, a lot of citizens. Um, one morning, I think it was fr- Friday morning, no, Saturday morning, when I was out and I went way down the on Wellington Street towards the end. And I ran into... Uh, really sweet man and his wife. They were in their 70s and they were um, really, really moved by everything they had seen and very, very upset about what was happening to Canada and um, just how these people were portrayed. And the woman actually started weeping, right? I hugged her and it made me start, you know, I was really emotional and had to, there's a lot of emotion there. Um, Like I said, a, a lot of, there's families there, there were dogs there, um, like I said, everybody was fed, every, everybody was so taken care of. I heard someone say, I'm not sure if I heard her say it in an interview or who she said it to, but I distinctly remember someone saying, If we can feed the homeless for three weeks, why can't you? Right? Meaning, the city of Ottawa, the government, I mean, homelessness in Canada has become this massive, huge, huge problem that's only going to get worse. Those people fed the homeless, right? That were there the whole time. Like, pe- I, I. I mean, I know I'm sort of saying it over and over, but people really, really took care of each other. And it, it was a beautiful thing. You know, we were able to take people's laundry and do their laundry, all the people sleeping in cars. Um, the last couple of days, all those people in sleep, sleeping in cars and that people that had come in trailers and cars, um, the cops smashed all their windows out. Um, they impounded the cars. Now the mayor wants to actually sell the cars and all all the like the trucks, whatever he can, and keep the money. Um, it's just it's just gross. I mean, these are people, um, most, you know, many of them, if not most of them, with no benefits, right? Like literally living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Um, even our hotel, we would get donations, and sometimes we could offer family a room for a night because they'd been in their truck for so long. And so um, we called Friday to ask if we could get a room. Was it Friday? Yeah, I think it was Friday. And the hotel actually wasn't sure because there five cleaners could not get through the checkpoints. Like I'm, t- I'm talking about the capital of, you know, I'm talking about Ottawa with checkpoints, right? Red Zone. And so that whole hotel their business is based on five people, right? So that's how important the working class is, right? To to everything. I mean, that's just a small, you know, one example. Um, we were able to get around, I guess some of the people made it through. Um, I don't know if you saw on my Twitter feed, the restaurants, well, the restaurants. So okay, go ahead.
0: Let's play this clip, and you can comment on it. So everyone okay. can see what was happening. And what the police declared a red zone.
1: Oh,
3: yeah. They're saying that they're going to break it.
0: She's saying, open it up, open it up. The restaurant owner is refusing and okay share this
2: out you guys get it out everywhere now get it out they're saying they're gonna break the window
3: they already walked around back you guys so here's your tax service
0: here's so, so what was happening there and what were you seeing? Yeah, this, so there were
1: uh, there were some restaurants that opened and did not discriminate. They happily served the people that were there, the families and the people that they, came.
0: Sorry, they did not discriminate against people who had not taken a COVID vaccine.
1: Right. So, so they yeah, had no explain, cost for explain,
0: it. Explain, yeah. you know, for our, our international audience, the political context here, and then explain the red zone.
1: Well, you have to have a passport to get in and eat somewhere a vaccine passport on a phone i mean i don't even have a mobile and i definitely don't have a passport so i can't tell you what it looks like but it's on the phone you have to show it When you go in and if you don't have one, you can't go in, you have no access to services, right? And you already know this about the whole digital identity system, that the um, vaccine is the portal to that system, right? The portal, the entryway. And um, yeah, and and it decides what you have access to and what you do not have access to. And that's the future. That's the Um, infrastructure, the global infrastructure being built right now. And that's why it's so, so important to, um, you know, um, oppose all of this before it's too late. I mean, once it's in place, it'll be difficult, if not impossible to take, you know, to get rid of it.
0: And so the police were threatening to break the windows of a restaurant that was serving people who had not taken a COVID a, a vaccine
1: they were letting and, customers in without the yeah without yeah. the
0: passport yeah so this is a crime in canada
1: yes yes and, and so,
0: let's let's so go crazy. over let's go over uh lay, lay out for our audience Corey morningstar what the emergency rules that have been imposed by trudeau uh, on an updated version of the War Powers Act, uh, what they entail and what rights have been taken away from Canadians under these auspices?
1: Um, I have that document open, the actual document that I haven't read yet, but basically it's the War Act. So it's brought in, um, is invoked, I mean, it's called the Emergencies Act now, but it's essentially the War Act and it's only brought in like if you're under threat of war and so this whole idea, there was never a threat. There was never a threat. I mean, like people who went there, it was truly a festival, dancing, music, fires at night, like a festival. <laughs> so this whole idea, this is um, as just like COVID was the catalyst for it to sort of unroll the great reset infrastructure, the emergence um, this whole thing with the truckers is sort of the, you know, they're using that as a guise. To implement the emergencies act, which I've heard is coming to the United States, is that right? Someone said Biden is going to put in an emergencies act. Is that true? Do you uh, know
0: anything? I, I I don't. I haven't okay. heard anything about that. Oh, I think we'll, so
1: we'll just see this going across the world. Um, another thing too. Okay, so the emergencies act basically they can come after you if you if you're. If you're liking things on Facebook, they can come to you. Right, you're like a collaborator to terrorism or something. They can freeze your bank account, take your money, um, seize your assets. Um, you know, look at this woman in jail. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah, Tamara, so
0: many. Yeah, this you're talking she about re- Tamara, Tamara Lich, who's one of the organizers of the convoy, was basically jailed under the Emergencies Act for organizing a protest. And you can see these images of the protest right now. It's a dance party at night. Uh, there really wasn't violence. The worst thing I heard about it is that truckers were honking their air horns after 8 p.m. And it was annoying the uh, residents of downtown Ottawa, including no shortage of lockdown leftists who've been complaining on Twitter about it. But, you know, we it, it wasn't exactly January 6th. Um, so I, I saw one Canadian legislator refer to the f- phrase honk honk as code for Heil Hitler because it begins with two <laughs> H's. So they're really stretching to paint this as this kind of violent insurrection. It was casually referred to as an insurrection in Canadian media. Um, and, and now the, the organizers are just being jailed and held without bail on national security grounds.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, unbelievable. Like you can see even from this clip, it's all Quebec flags. It's all Canadian flags. I mean, I barely even saw any American flags there. Like it was, you know, a very um, Canadian thing. Um, And Quebec has suffered a lot under lockdown measures as well. So there were a lot of people from Quebec coming. Like trades, people, lots of people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I've met um, in Nicaragua in the past two weeks so many Canadians who have actually fled here with one-way tickets. I mean, so many of them, because they had suffered so much under the lockdowns. Their children are facing developmental difficulties. Uh, they, hap- Their businesses were being to- completely destroyed uh, or they were unable to attend school.
1: Um, yeah, our health services are being wiped out. Um, so. More and more homeless people that have, I mean, we have an opioid overdose death every 43 minutes, I think it is, which, no you know, our governments don't give a fuck about. Um, there's a, the Canadian Medical Association and Deloitte put out a paper in November about the collateral damage from all of this. And it's massive. It's, um, I can't remember if it's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of delayed surgeries that will, um, you know, end up um being a massive increase in cancer deaths um i mean the collateral damage is just massive especially with youth and children right and right after that paper they did another lockdown and so it's not about your health right i don't know why people think that the government ever cared about your health or ever would they don't right our government serve capital the corporations are now more powerful than our governments world economic forum is in partnership with the one most um, most powerful 100 corporations on the planet. Another thing that I think has to be brought into this, which people forget about, the Great Reset is actually a project of the Commonwealth. It's Prince Charles's project that he took the World Economic Forum as the platform to roll it out. So it's World Economic Forum. is like the secretariat, the think tank, Um, to make everything happen, right? Everyone organizes within that, you know, within that organization. Um, But the project itself is Commonwealth, which represents, what is that? 54 countries in the world, right? All occupied. That's um, a third of the global population. The Commonwealth just partnered about a week ago during all this with who? The World Health Organization on delivering vaccines to what did it say every person on the planet by july 20 july 2022 which is this year that um i don't know how that could happen anyway um they just partnered <laughs> they just partnered with the who maybe i maybe i have the number wrong they've also partnered with the world bank on digital identity for every it's is um packaged as a social justice type of equity campaign so it's for every woman and girl digital ID by 2030, which is the same number we hear for the whole planet. Um, and so that's happening with World Bank. You have all these multilateral institutions um, being partnered with, um, you know, World Economic Forum, World Bank, IMF, OECD. And this is the basically we're going toward the global governance, right? Which they're looking to sort of, you um, put in it'll be like a privatized global governance right so we'll literally be run by all these huge corporations um
0: this is described you know as a conspiracy theory of the far right this concept of global governance but Um, yeah
1: it's it's not though i mean it's completely i could read until my eyes fall out all the white papers are right out in the open they're not even hidden right yeah i mean let's
0: play this clip that you mentioned at the at the beginning um, of, of Klaus Schwab, and maybe you can comment on it. Everyone I know who's following these issues has something to say about this particular clip. It seems to have really uh, captured the... Uh, re- it re- really channeled the shock that a lot of people feel when they learn about the World Economic Forum and the influence that it claims to carry. Internationally, this is.
2: The world economy. Mm-hmm. But um, he's what such we a cartoon. Proud of now, <laughs> young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of of Argentina, and so on, so that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and I. We know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for our are actually young global leaders of the world. Right. And that's true in Argentina, too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the president, with a young global leader. But <laughs> what is important? So.
0: He's he's talking about he's penetrated fifty percent of all cabinets. It's very suggestive language. Uh, You know, he's penetrated uh, Trudeau's cabinet. He's penetrated former uh, billionaire billionaire former banker Macron's cabinet. I mean, what does that mean? Is he just blustering? Uh, This is a very bizarre character. He's like an Austin Powers villain. There's very little known about Klaus Schwab. he but 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 it's very clear what davos is what the world economic forum does tie you know since you see so you keep bringing it back to the world economic forum this concept of global governance tie that into what we've been talking about in ottawa
1: um okay let me just try to get my head around this um...
0: and, and and what and what does the world economic forum do in your view i mean you you've you've written a lot about it at your site, art of annihilation. Of oh, it's just of, like the, privatiza-
1: it's the privatization of governance, whether it's provincial, even municipal. You've got C40 cities have come in on a municipal level because the digital identity is the umbilical cord for the smart city, right? Which is the global surveillance state, right? And the capturing right, right. of your data. And so you've got municipal, you've got provincial, you've got federal, you've got, you know, um, whole countries now all being like is all privatized governance. That's all it is. I mean, global governance. All that means is you're privatizing all the governance. And so you have all these corporations at the helm instead of of governments. Um, the young global leaders groomed by World Economic Forum. Um, they're not serving you. They're serving capital. Right. And now we have this whole. Um, you know, quote, movement of left who have also been um, basically groomed and indoctrinated. I mean, World Economic Forum, all this foundation money, everything I've been writing about for so long, they've bought up everybody and they've bought up everything, right? And so the biggest problem with this movement in Ottawa is that they have no jurisdiction over it. They have no say over it. It's not attached to any other big NGOs. It's not attached to Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, it you know, none of the climate ones um, has no, you know, I hear people talking about $200,000. Oh, someone donated $200,000. Well, first of all, like I said, that money didn't even get down to the street, we had to collect money from people that donated, like completely grassroots. And there's hardly any of it. Um, It was mostly out of everyone's pockets. Um, but these big groups, I mean, when Greta came out and you've got the media pounding over over your head with the Greta movement, how amazing it is, right? And she meets all the leaders and everyone loves her, right? It's the greatest thing on earth. And you've got $24 trillion behind her, and that money is like um literally built on the back of this huge white supremacist European um you know, system that's, you know, um, built on the exploitation and violence, right, of people in the earth. And you didn't have anyone with any issue about that. Everyone just loved it. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, this one's racist and white supremacist and all these things. I mean, it's actually, it's actually crazy, right? And you, I, I see people to this day, Avaz, right, who helped Um, annihilate Libya, right? Literally up to their neck and blood with hundreds of thousands of deaths of people, men, women, children, people still share their stuff.
0: Yeah. Avaz is the global clicktivist organization that runs petitions often for humanitarian interventionist causes like invading Libya or bombing Syria to save the white helmets. And it has been substantially funded by the Open Society Foundations of George Soros and other billionaires. It basically is an arm of the kind of liberal establishment of the West, um, and yeah, yeah. And you don't. I, I, I do feel a certain. Um, yeah. I feel you know a similar opposition or anger among uh, the sectors of the left in the U.S. and in the West uh, now opposing this agenda which is so nakedly in your face now after Canada and warning that, and I know you were out there well before I was uh, and many other people were, but you know, when I first started speaking out against the mandates and warning that this is the basis for a new biomedical security state and that we're galloping towards a kind of um, corporate takeover. It was, we were witnessing a corporate coup under yeah. the guise of fighting a pandemic I felt the same kind of opposition and also people turn on me that I did when I started um, exposing the white helmets. And of course, many people were there before me talking about the white helmets. And it all feels like part of a similar program. And I remember the day that Greta Thunberg was just suddenly introduced to the world. You were one of the few researchers who was actually getting to the bottom of this gigantic obvious PSYOP. Um, I wrote about it as well later on. Um, But if you had spoken out with my platform about Greta Thunberg, you would have been called a racist, uh, not a racist, a a sexist uh, who hates children. Uh, Every insult would have been lobbed at you to deflect from the fact that this whole project was really about exploiting a new profit center for a very desperate global capitalist class. And that profit center is renewables, electric batteries, that whole world. So. Uh, I think that's what we would call the fourth industrial revolution.
1: Yeah. That's what ties I mean, that's all this what, together. That's what capitalism is, right? Or that's what fascism is, the decay of capitalism, right? And that's what we're seeing now. And so you're seeing this um, desperate attempt to, you know, insulate the ruling class to protect them. And, you know, this like this massive rollout of emerging markets, the STDs or STDs, they should be called that, SDGs. <laughs> um, what are they? Sustainable development goals. Um, another thing we could bring into this, another interesting thing about this, um, how we can apply, you know, these, this narrative, this framing around working class as white supremacists and racists, um, again, that did not apply to those people, um, really good people in Ottawa, it makes me sick that people say that, um, but it's funny that for example Klaus schwab that video you just showed people don't seem to have that much of an issue with it if that was a country that's you know i've been on our government website that's foreign interference it's not a state but it's an entity right interfering with our with our government government um but how what if that what if Klaus schwab was i don't know what if he was chinese what if he was russian right oh red scare red scare i think pe- people would what would they think? What what if it was um, Middle Eastern? And I think it's um, really strange how we can have these elite um, sort of white globalist spaces, whether it's Greta Thunberg or Klaus Schwab and, and everyone's, um, you know, really sort of identifies with that and embraces it. But no one now wants to identify with the working class. No one wants to be the working class, right? It's like the laptop class and there's this contempt and I, I think you know, I've written about this for a long time about, um, you know, the left, the self-identified left. I think this is it. I think they, the left, is now just a fucking vacuum. Like it, it's that's it for the left. It's done. They betrayed the working class. They stand for nothing. What are they good for? They're not anti-war. They're not anti-imperialist. They're not for bodily autonomy. Um, my body, my choice is gone. Oh, I mean, what good are they for? They All they are is now an arm of capital. That's it. They lobby for, for windmills and technology that ruins, you know, destroys the earth, right? That destroys life. Um, they lobby for pharmaceutical that destroys, um, you know, in, in this way, we're seeing a lot of vaccine injuries. Um, this whole white supremacist idea that we know what's best for Africa, right? Colonialism, that mentality is being propped up again on um, this whole Green uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution is uh, complete, it's complete, imperial, you know, like a, a rebooting of imperialism, of colonialism, right? And the left is pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. There's no talk about what the energy is used for. There's no opposition to the military, no focus on the military, no focus on industrial, um, you know, on the industrial economy versus, you know, there's just so much being lost here. And so at this point, I think the left is, um, you know, the left is a complete write-off. And it only serves now, it's the enemy, the collaborator. I mean, I will always stand, and what you were talking about being hated, the good thing about it, I don't care who hates me. I, I really can't care less. And that is a gift because then you can write, right? And you can just write whatever you think you should write and be as truthful as you can be and honest and not care, right? You, you just write that because that's important. I don't care. I don't, I'm not getting paid so I can do that. Um, I will always, always, always stand with the working class, stand with the peasantry, stand with the indigenous peoples. I will always fight those fighting um, who are impoverished and oppressed by our common enemy, which is the ruling class, right? Like I can't believe that people are siding with the oppressor over our brothers and sisters. It makes it makes me want to ball my eyes out. I can't believe it. Um, I mean, it's disappointing, but like I said, I've also been writing about it for such a long time and there's so much psychology behind this as well, this um, wokeness. You know, and people, it seems, are more interested in their sort of branding of of who they are on their social media than they even care about the causes, um, than they care about the people. Um, so anyway, it's a time to sort of recognize that and get past that, accept it for what it is. Uh, recognize, you know, that the left has become an arm of capital, that they're the collaborator, the enemy. You now we have to organize and get past that. But more
0: insidious than the right that's an arm of capital because they feign anti-capitalism. They wear it on their sleeve. They belong to an alphabet soup of socialist organizations whose membership probably couldn't fit in a laundromat. Uh, They claim to be often anti-imperialist. That's part of their branding. But this was the ultimate mask off moment where they demonized The truckers' strike is a bunch of uh, what they call petty bourgeois owner operators. You know they use Marxist, crude Marxist theory to paper over what their what their real intentions are, which is for a brutal police crackdown and a security state repression of a protest against an agenda they support. And what they support is masking two year olds endlessly, uh, banning people from society and public places for refusing to take a mRNA injection uh, possibly every five or six months as we see in France. they fully vaccinated keep being unvaccinated. We see that in Israel too. They stand for soul and livelihood destroying lockdowns that have led to more deaths than they prevented. They stand for keeping children indefinitely out of school and against the government's obligation to educate poor children and provide them with free lunches. They, they've stood consistently for those and they stand for placing the unvaccinated in camps. Noam Chomsky called for that and found a lot of support on the left for those comments. And that is what actually took place in places like Australia. And there was no opposition from the official or organized left to that. They stand for all those things, but they don't wanna say it. And they certainly won't debate those issues in the open. And so they paper it over by placing everything in a left, right binary or in a culture war binary and making it about racism. And of course they don't go to the ground like you did, Corey Morningstar. They don't go and actually interact with the people, stay with them, live with them, talk to them and see what they're really about. Uh, or as I've done in the U S and you get an entirely different picture. What I saw at the Defeat the Mandates rally in Washington, just walking through the crowd were people coming up to me, commenting on reporting we'd done at the Gray Zone that they were reading because they were solidly anti-war and anti-imperialist themselves, but they also just happened to be against the entire system, unlike so many of these lockdown leftists who spent last year howling about insurrection and sedition on January 6th, and now they've spent the beginning of this year Howling about uh, howling in support of emergency law, I mean these tiny sectarian factions have been have revealed themselves as posing no threat to power whatsoever. In fact, their power's left hand. Uh, so this was the ultimate mask off moment for the lockdown left, but it doesn't mean that the entire left is irredeemable, does it? I mean, I talk to so many people who say we're politically homeless. That's what I keep hearing. That's the mantra. I mean, where do they go? Where does this coalesce? Because I think that the organized left, the the refuse of the post-Bernie movement in the US has caused a brain drain within the broader left, and those people will coalesce elsewhere.
1: Oh, is that a question? Was
0: there a question? I yeah. mean, it's, it's a comment yeah. uh, because, because what you said, Corey, was that the left is dead. It's a vacuum enough. And you now in you feel free to write whatever you want and say whatever you want. It's a, it's a statement that may, it might be true, but then what, where do people organize? Where do people organize who don't agree with, what passes for the right on so many issues. I mean, where does this all go? Or does it, do left see, and right see,
1: no longer matter? I just see the left is so right, right, <laughs> right, right. Um, no, just the, the left to me seems to have become so right. They self-identify as left, but I mean, they're liberals who have been unmasked, as you said, and they're very, very right. Um, I, I don't know, I think, you know, you you see what true left is in the global south. I mean, you must see it down in Nicaragua. Those people really have their um, you know, they they're just a lot more focused, and they're re- they're reading the right things, and they're listening to the right people, and, and they're um united, and they have the right um, foundations, right? Anti imperialism, anti colonialism. Um, you know anti-war all those things because they have tasted you know um what all that they've been on the other end of that right whereas we haven't um like especially canada such a young country we haven't experienced um fascism like they have in europe right and so you have a lot more resistance there i don't know right now i'm just really sick of the word left and leftist like it right now, at least it has no meaning for me other than betrayal. Um, So I don't know. I I don't know where we go with that or what that turns into. I just know a lot of people that are a a part of that system and depend on that system and identify with that system are the enemy. They are collaborators. They are. And I think what they've done to the people you know, so many people, like I said, these people have traveled from both sides of Canada for days and slept in their car. I mean, they gave up everything um, away from their cho- their wives, their children, right? How can they ever, for- why would they want anything to do with anyone that's not, ident- you know, that calls themselves as left? I, if that's me, I'm running the other way, right? That, this was their chance yeah. to really, to, to reclaim um, to reclaim those people. My son told me who works with, um, people I I don't want to expose who he is and everything, but anyway, you know, like really, um, sort of a naturalist, all these good things, him and his friends who are very much like him, he was talking to me about a new conservative party, just he was sort of laughing that they were actually even listening to this guy, right? He asked me what I thought about him. Well, I think all politicians are basically liars and I think they, they don't serve us anyway, right? Whether it's, are you there, Max? Cause I can't see you. Oh, you're there, okay. So anyway, he just said, I never thought ever that myself and my friends would be listening to a conservative. You know, and that's what the left has done. They've, they've pushed everybody over to these re- more right parties, not that there's really any difference anyway.
0: Yeah, we've seen a poll of, a recent poll of uh, Tucker Carlson watchers in the U.S. And right, okay. A surging number of them, I think it was something like 45% of his self-described viewers identified as Democrat or private previous or prior supporters of the Democratic Party. We've also seen a 15 point shift in the last year in the U.S. uh, to party identification with the Republican Party. Uh, We've seen the Virginia governor's race shift uh, in a dramatic way into the Republican, the Virginia governor's race decided dramatically by suburban swing voters who mostly identified as Democrat over issues, including vaccine mandates, but also over you know, what, would co- what would be commonly and crudely identified as wokeness um, and you know, a woke agenda being pushed in public schools. Some people say it's trumped up, but basically you just see across the board, people, regular people are really fed up With what the self-proclaimed left has to offer. The word left means nothing to them. And one of the most troubling tendencies I see, you know, considering that we've spent so much of this discussion talking about global capitalism, what openly proudly identifies as global capitalism is that so many of the protesters are bearing, and this is an increasing trend, anti-communist banners, anti-communist messages, and claiming that the oppression that they're facing under trudeau or biden or western european leaders is socialism when it is just so obviously the corporate state the mm-hmm. marriage of industry and government and i mean do you think that is a failing of the left because the le- or or absolutely yeah, yeah
1: definitely i mean there's a guy i came across in the last month his name's dust james and he's a marxist leninist truck driver and um like when that i know what article you referred to about the bourgeois um truck drivers thing that people that the quote on, left on quote left whatever were passing around um that was actually written by an academic in ontario canada and um i just dug into him for like 15 minutes um because they could have been listening to dust james As a truck driver, talk about it from a left perspective, but instead they um, grabbed on, they seized this document, this article written by this academic who's actually paid. He has two jobs with the Canadian government. And so it's just like, come on, right? And I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, it's
0: amazing. One of the groups that was cited in that paper, I believe, is funded by the Canadian government and headed up by this liberal zionist who actually mar- has marched against the BDS movement. So this mm-hmm. is what these are the sources the lockdown left is turning to along with like Reuters and Politifact fact checks to uh, they'll, you know.
1: they'll turn to they'll do anything to um you know sort of I it almost seems like once you comply you're forever looking for evidence to support Um, that you know to justify your obedience right right? no matter what i mean even today i saw um someone i shared that woman who's what was she mohawk who was trampled by the horse um, because someone i was staying with did an interview with her before that happened and so i shared the interview that um, my friend monique did and then i shared um, her words in the hospital after she was trampled by the horses and then I saw see people saying, oh, she shouldn't have been there. She had two weeks to get out. Um, she's not a real bear clan, you know, uh, clan mother. She's not a clan mother. Oh, she's just full indigenous, not a clan mom. I mean, doing everything, you know, just sort of like she deserved it. Or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what happened to her. I mean, it's also weird, like this whole behavior, um, what's it called? Um, the behavioral you can. Economics of hatred is actually what it's called. It's a it's a real thing. Um who benefits who benefits from hatred. Is this the clip of the horse? Yeah. Well, this is the
0: clip of the trampling just for and yeah. we'll play your inter- you'll we'll play your interview with one of the women who is trampled by these horses. Uh, but but you were talking about the behavioral um
1: yeah, like just um like to have Trudeau, um, to have the left like inciting this hatred, right? This division. It's just incredible. It's just absolutely incredible against um, a minority group, right? Um, Since when do we do that? I see people celebrating. Oh, that person died because they didn't get a COVID vaccine. And even though I see all kinds of injuries of people getting jabs, right? Not vaccine, but injection. um, I don't rub it in anyone's face. I and I certainly don't applaud. I'm certainly not happy when people are injured. Like, you know what I mean? It's horrible when people yeah, are. It's,
0: in- it's something you really notice is that you, you there there are major media personalities who celebrate when some uh, aging, you know, obese Christian right pastor in his late 70s or early 70s who called the vaccine the mark of the beast dies. And the Daily Beast reports it as, you know, anti-vaxxer right winger dies of you know and 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 then they celebrate they laugh about it they get their they, they get their laughs in but you actually see those who are demonized as anti-vaxxers who are the you know covid skeptics when they see for example the former deputy east asia editor of the new york times east asia bureau die of a heart attack at age 49 the day after he took a booster shot they don't celebrate they look at it with horror they're shocked. They're disgusted. And so there there is a clear difference there. And it's just about the in-group solidarity that a lot of people get from this moment where they have the object of anxiety, which is COVID. A authority figure comes in and says, we will eliminate the object of your anxiety, which you are afraid of. And you have been isolated because of it. And we're going to end your isolation through this tool. And there is one tool and it is a holy sword of the mRNA vaccine. And anyone who stands against that vaccine is evil. And by demonizing the so-called unvaccinated or the anti-vaxxers, those in the group who feared COVID and who trust the leader gain solidarity. So their solidarity comes from resentment and hatred of those who did not comply, and I think that's what we see in the lockdown left's reaction to the truckers as well. Uh, they rep- they they put a face on the object of anxiety. They see those truckers or anybody out there as synonymous with COVID itself, and that they want to kill them. Um, uh, they're completely irrational.
1: That was a really good way to put it. Um, what's really ironic about that is that there were all these thousands of people there for three weeks and um, no one wore a mask, no one sanitized. And um, everyone ate together and shared food and shared everything and hugged and kissed and danced. And where's the COVID cases? Where's all the dead people? Where's the where's all the dead bodies? Where's the hospital full of COVID? Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then there's nothing, right? There's nothing. I mean, so it's just ironic. And those were all people not vaccinated. I mean, not all a lot were. And this whole thing too. the other argument, oh, 90% of the trackers were vaccinated. Um, even if that's true, like, who knows? Because if we don't believe the media, we can't just believe them, you know, and that when it comes to that. But even if it's true, it doesn't even matter. They didn't not, that was done out of coercion. Most people did not want
0: it. Yeah, no. So of course, what did people not get? They they had to do it.
1: They had to to do it across the
0: border in order to maintain their jobs. That's what this protest was about. This protest was not about uh, installing Adolf Hitler as prime minister and taking over the government. It was just simply about that, and it also betrays a complete misunderstanding or no or uh, no understanding of what solidarity means, because in New York, we've seen workers actually hold rallies where they rip up their vaccine passport in solidarity with their fellow workers exactly. who are their friends, who don't want to lose their job because they're not vaccinated. Uh, yes. Subway operator named Tremel Thompson, who's been speaking at a lot of rallies across the country, union leader, progressive, he's leading these rallies. Uh, and for him, it's just about rights and solidarity, something that the lockdown left seeks to obliterate it seems i mean they created two fake categories new categories to shatter the 99 percent the whole concept of the 99 is no longer mentioned anymore
2: because yeah, if, if it
0: if it existed you'd have to include the truckers but no they're petty bourgeois owner operators like uh the uber drivers who tried to organize for a union in california don't they own their cars so they're all petty bourgeois owner. I mean, none of this makes any sense at all. And it all comes down to, um, it, you know, what, what I think is an irrational psychology that has overtaken large sectors
1: yeah, it's incredible. of the left. It's, Let, it's it's just, just, um, I I thought maybe we could touch upon just quickly too, yeah, the Five yeah. Eyes. Do you know the Five Eyes?
0: Well, can we actually play this? Uh, I want to play the clip uh, of this interview that you and your friend conducted with. Oh, that was just my
1: friend Monique. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Okay, well, I want to get you to comment on this. um, And then we can definitely shift topics. So this is Candy, who is a Mohawk elder who was trampled by horses. We saw that trampling a few minutes ago.
2: And why
3: you're here i'm candy i'm doing this for the kids all kids need to interact with each other be able to play sports and their parents be able to come and watch their children play sports i have been a carnival worker for 35 years and we said You get the jab, you get the jab, you go to work. So I got two vaccines, and that never happened. The colonel did well last year, but on a smaller scale, not a full scale. And and you've been here for how many days? I have been here for 11 days, standing strong. Holding the line in your car. Then, in my in car. In your car. And and we discussed that you are native and you are full um, full native, yes. Full native from the Mohawk. Uh, from I come from trying Mohawk territory. Okay.
2: Well, and what would you like to say to those out there who are saying that uh, you know we are we are racist uh, a racist <laughs> movement. <laughs> I feel like
3: what's the called? of the small fringe minority? Yeah. Proud member. Yes. Proud member. People. All I feel is love here. If you can make your way down to Ottawa, feel the love. That is all I feel here.
2: Thank you, Candy. That's from all I feel
3: now, too. From why. Yeah east coast west coast they all came here to feel the love amazing get rid of the mandates. Yep. No
2: mandates well now go get your clothes and come have a nice hot shower in my room girl
1: <laughs> Candy.
0: all right so uh you know what are your any thoughts on on the comments from candy and and if maybe you can address the broader participation of Indigenous people, First Nations people in this protest, because I saw the deployment of denunciations by sort of official First Nations uh, representatives against the
2: protest.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, the system has, everyone's entrenched into the system. So people need to understand that First Nations who are impoverished, right, um, by uh, the Canadian government, and um you know in the states you have incarcerated your black population in canada they incarcerated, incarcerated that incarcerated the um indigenous population so very impoverished um you know very <sighs> I mean, one uh, one reserve just had its 27th year of um, water advisory. They've had no clean drinking water for 27 years. And one of the richest countries in the world as we finance, um, you know, Ukraine. I mean, it's, it's sickening. Like Trudeau hates natives and First Nations. Um, I'm sorry, jumping around a bit. There were more people, I think, at the beginning. There's a really great interview on Ron Kind of Green that um, I shared a couple weeks ago, or maybe a week ago now. Um, he's a Mohawk warrior chief, and it's about an hour. It's probably one of it's probably one of the best things people can spend an hour listening to. It was one of the best opinions, um, observations on what's going on with Canada and the truckers. Um, Freedom Convoy. And, you know, he said, people get your boots on, get your boots on, stand up. Um, So he was able to understand it, even though his people have been so um, poorly treated. Even he has more insight and more compassion and um, can see this as more of an opportunity to, um, you know, to really resist and um carve out carve out a better way so maybe we can put the links in the show um for that and then today i also posted a video it's just about five minutes maybe not even that of some um i think it's six six nations mohawks i can't remember um talking about their position on the freedom convoy and thanking the people that went there thanking the people that are taking um you know, that are resisting these mandates and the vaccines and that. So I, so the problem is people, when you're impoverished, you can't afford to resist because you're impoverished and you need the money, right? You can't let your people starve. Like you need, you need resources. So it's not fair. People need to understand that they're coerced. We have a system of coercion. We've coercion built into the system. I mean, that's not the same as NGOs and foundations who, you know, have, you know, millions and millions of dollars, and and they're all very, very wealthy, making six figures, like we're talking about very, very impoverished First Nations, right? Um, So, and again, the unions are in the hand of the state, like, it's um, no surprise, everyone should have expected that everyone would um, fall into order. Just yeah like, the teamsters
0: yeah. totally depend on their relationship with Trudeau and with right. indus- industrial management.
1: I exactly. mean exactly.
0: It's it's like the uh, you know the auto workers union UAW that basically helped it participated in the controlled demolition of Detroit.
1: Right, but when you went there who was there? Trades, union members, right? Workers, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um so yeah, anyway, um well let's, I, I also
0: saw I also saw, you know, the the Sikh Indian population, oh, right, right. The population ag- against against the truckers. Oh, they you know they're organizing for a dollar more an hour and that's real workplace organizing, but and then the Sikh Indian truckers because they, you know, are heavily involved in the trucking industry, especially around Toronto, who yeah. were involved in the Ottawa truckers strike, I call it a truckers strike, they were ignored. So let's play a clip uh, you featured on your Twitter account that I think is interesting
3: you know this kind of tyranny would be taking place at parliament's doorstep Uh, parliament's doorstep and i apologize to the rest of the individuals of my faith because we have a member in parliament Jagmeet Singh the leader of the NDP a complete scumbag him his brother his entire party they like to they like to talk about you know we're all about the people the labor force equity and rights equ- equity in terms of you know freedoms all across the board making sure that everyone's safe they're all about the social needs and access to them well guess what they're involved they're the ones helping trudeau close down bank accounts and they're compliant so even if you're silent on these issues that's compliance as well so we would like everyone to know that Jagmeet Singh doesn't represent the six and he never did. He tugged on our heartstrings to make it seem like just because he looks like us, he could get us to vote for him. I've never voted for him in any election. I've never voted for Trudeau either. And I will continue not to vote for these oppressors. And we will make sure that we will still remain here to fight for our freedoms. And we're here till the end.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah, so, so you, yeah, had, was- you, had, you had the six there. You had um, Jamaican truckers. Um, you had Iran- Iranian truckers. I wrote today about Reza, who was a 42 year old Iranian, came to Canada when he was 20. He was sleeping in his car, right, where we lay him, shower, helping him um, with his laundry and stuff like that. Um, his car ended up being impounded. Went, like I said, all the cars, everyone had their windows smashed out, um, thrown in jail. Um, I, I, didn't even see him again because his conditions were that he can't come back downtown into the red zone. Um, so you had, uh, so many different people, you know, and like I said, they're all like hugging and sharing and laughing and telling stories. I'm sure it's the best a lot of people felt in years in, in two years. I mean, it was, it was really magical, you know, and a lot of people left really, really sad to leave that you know, and then go back to this new sort of normal where everyone's like distance and masked and, you know, stay at home, stay safe, sanitize, scare, you know, mask your kids. Like it's complete crazy. And I wanted to add before I forget, um, the whole thing too is really quite terrifying with the um, experimental injections. I've been following the actual numbers for God, I know a year in Canada of the deaths, probably longer than that, the deaths um, with COVID in Canada versus the deaths in the long-term care homes with COVID, um, and then versus the um, vaccine um, injuries and deaths, all from the Canadian government website. And in children, um, the deaths with COVID up to now, unless it's changed in the past couple weeks, I haven't had time to look, Uh, age zero to 19, there were, I believe... 29 deaths with COVID uh, in Canada at a a population of 38 million. And so far we have in that same age bracket about 1,500 vaccine injuries. And of those, almost 400 serious, Um, so serious injuries to children that um, had no risk uh, from from COVID, right? Um, Children, everyone knows that they're large, um, have more risk from the flu. Them with COVID, and now they're being seriously injured, and it continues. And our government continues to tell parents uh, to vaccinate their children. Um, right, very, very close to me, a man lost his son. He he died shortly after getting the vaccine, so he could play hockey. Um, he died. He went. He actually phoned into the Toronto Public Health meeting. And if you go, when I went to watch that, they actually have cut it out. And so you hear him introducing him. This is a public meeting. Um, you hear them introducing him. And then all of a sudden they say, give their condolences. And the whole testimony has been removed on the public, um, Toronto Public Health website. So like everywhere you look, this stuff is censored. Um, and again, you know, we have injuries of healthy children, healthy children. And it's not stopping. It's not stopping at all so um you know and i i mean i just can't believe it i can't believe it that that the left doesn't doesn't care um you know our elderly are literally dying of isolation they, they've i mean it's just been brutal what's been done you know to the yeah, most i mean part.
0: i never changed <laughs> this is just what drew me to what it was known as the left once upon a time for example the vaccine using gene therapy is in fact, an experimental gene therapy produced by a corporation. And just based on what I knew about everything that Ralph Nader stood for, it's the kind of thing that where it's the kind of process where the left would have demanded more regulatory scrutiny instead of these rush trials, like the Pfizer trial, where the FDA deliberately eliminated the control group by making them all get vaccinated, the left is supposed to favor greater regulations of consumer products. And instead, what they've done is bully anyone who talks about injuries or deaths, Uh, tried to gaslight you into thinking that there was no causality. And just in my own personal experience, knowing some people who are vocal in support of the mandates in the whole program. And knowing that they themselves suffered vaccine-related injuries and have chosen to stay silent, it feels masochistic. Uh, it, and I don't know what, I, I can't address it in a purely political sense. That's why I interviewed Matthias Desmet, the psychologist, clinical psychologist, to understand the more irrational sources of this kind of behavior um, that has been so counterproductive for any progressive or left movement in my opinion and so many people i mean you look at the i mean i know we're going back to the left and i i kind of want to pivot away but i wanted to say this you look at the lockdown left and where they've the point they've arrived at and it's not a good place Maybe a year ago or six months ago, they were able to discipline a lot of people into silence, self-censorship. You can look at any of my earlier Twitter posts about, for example, a study showing natural immunity is more durable than naive vaccination. And it's just filled with people trying to antagonize and bully me. That doesn't happen as much anymore. The whole narrative has exploded. And the more the narrative falls apart, the more the lockdown left doubles down on it and faces opposition from within their own ranks. Just look at the comment section on any of their podcasts on YouTube where they're attacking truckers and calling, uh, you know, minority protesters tokens or whatever they say about them. It's just one comment after another, just pure contempt for that kind of, uh, that kind of elitist commentary. And so they are in a really bad spot. But the question is, and it goes back to my earlier question to you, Corey Morningstar, um, because I've heard you talk a lot about this, even before the pandemic, about new modes of resistance. What can people do to push back against the more permanent regulations? Uh, From the emergency law in Canada that allows the government to actually impose financial sanctions on individuals without a court order, to vaccine passports, which will become the basis of national digital ID, to every other aspect of this uh, fiesta of mass surveillance. Uh, what, What can people do and how can they mobilize? I mean, you mentioned that you don't even have a smartphone.
1: Yeah, I don't. But I mean, I also know that that's a really tender spot. People love their phones. I know that. And you know, I often, I have always said, if you didn't buy a phone, they give them away in cereal boxes, and that's the truth. They really would. The phone, um, even a report I found in 2007, written by Rick and Patel for the Gates Foundation, who's the co-founder of of Vaz and On um, Purpose, and um, what's it called, the Cellular Savior. And they recognized it way back then, you know, what a gift the cell phone, cell phone, the mobile phone would be and how they would be able to, um, you know, reach so many people and control people with that tool. Um, there's another paper by Havaz, um, which is the biggest advertising firm in the world, which actually did the climate tick, tick, tick campaign back in, um, God, what year was that? 2000 and. Oh, the time's flying by, um, 2007, maybe 2008. Um, so it's definitely recognized as the way, you know, into the minds of the youth, right? Um, even the Commonwealth countries, a third of the global population, I believe it's 60% or maybe are under the age of 30. I may have that wrong, but it's definitely a huge majority are youth. So there's this huge target. On these population for indoctrination and conditioning, um, social engineering. So the phone is called um, the conduit. Like the um, the fourth industrial revolution flows through the mobile, right? For now, for about another ten years, and at that point, um, it'll be something that's more that's inserted in, into your body, and your you know, into your skin. Very tiny chip. Um, so there's this window of opportunity. Um, you know, how, how um, much do we not want this? Are we willing to give up our phones? You know, I was talking about this the other day, could people, and so smashing your phone completely, could we, um, you know, 2 billion people in one week turn off their phone? I mean, that's a massive thing. And it's fairly easy considering, um, you know, what are the alternatives? What could be easier than that? I'm not sure anything. I mean, sure, to organize it, but I mean, that's pretty easy um, resistance to actually just turn off a phone, right? Set it down and not turn it on. Um, but I don't know. Like I just think, like, you know, people would would rather give up a, a kid than that phone. I mean, they're highly, highly, highly addictive. So I'm not sure, even though what we face is so dire, so fucking bleak. Like, there's, there's nothing, I can't think of anything worse than what we're headed into. Um, I don't know even if that's enough. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, no, I have to be honest. Uh, when the pandemic was declared in March, I remember, um, you know, I was in Washington, D.C., and it's a city that's being heavily gentrified with the kind of people that love vaccine passports. They're like, I feel so safe going to this uh you know, farm to table (laughs) restaurant for brunch now. And, you know, the dirty people won't be here. And um, especially the longtime Black D.C. residents. Uh, I'm from Ohio and I'm here to work as a drone uh, contractor at Deloitte. Uh, But anyway, I saw this sign over one of these new like music venues that had been created for the gentrifier class swarming D.C. like like locusts. And it said, we will get through this. And I remember just feeling this sinking feeling just looking at that because I just, I knew that wasn't true. And that this was a deep political event, something like what Peter Dale Scott would call a deep political event where our mm-hmm. rulers, those more powerful than, than us, were going to exploit this pandemic for all it was worth. And, you know, what what, what, what happened and the next deep political event, January 6th that I experienced personally, witnessed it personally. And the next day, the military was in DC. There were fences everywhere and there was no resistance at all. And now we see this cage around protests to our North in Canada, where the major cities of the Five Eyes countries, I mean, Australia essentially banned protests. They have been declared no protest zones, uh, at least for anything that can actually threaten power. And that is very dispiriting. Don't quite have an answer. I do feel a lot of support out there, a lot of energy out there for fighting this regime, but in the, in the physical space, it's unclear how it's going to get done, especially with all the surveillance tools and modalities of control.
1: I mean, that's the problem. We don't own the tools, right? They're all master's tools. And, you know, like I, I, I mean, I'm even shocked that you have a Twitter account. I'm shocked that I still have my Twitter account. You know, Vanessa Bealeva Bartlett, all the rest of the great people that we have. You know, that have been so amazing for the past two years. Um, you know, eventually that will go too. Uh, even that paper from which one was it? The um, what was it? The scenario planning paper from Rockefeller, 2010. I forget the title of the paper.
0: That was a uh, lockstep
1: yeah like even in that there's a section of it where there's a girl in this section and because I used to write so much about um ecology um that was sort of my focus and um you know imperialism before all this and now I'm all into everything right synthetic biology and digital identity and like it just go you know um biotech all over the place but in that paper what stuck out to me at the time when I read it, there's a part where she, the girl, there's a character and she dips her toe into the water. And then, right, she's about to tip her toe in the water and then she stops because she knows that she shouldn't do that. Right. And so that's, that's the world, right, that, that they're building, right, where people, that, that compliance is absolutely built into the system. Right. When we say, Um, freedom as a service, I mean, that's what it means. (laughs) It's not just, you know, sort of a cute term. That's what it means. Your service, what you will access will be dependent on your compliance. Um, You know, and and I see- Well, you could call that
0: social credit as well.
1: Yeah, you can call it that. And I think um, we may very well see the same thing um with the vaccines you know it's looking like there's a lot of you know there's a lot coming out um even the european union israel have have come out and said that they're very concerned about um, the immune system being impacted by the these vaccines and you could definitely see immunity as a ser- as a service as well right and so yeah this is the type of the world that we're going into and um
0: Certainly uh, as a subscription, kind of like a Netflix subscription. Exactly.
1: And I mean, yeah, a lot of people, and I talk about that too, we have to build parallel systems, right? Like I said, in Ottawa, you got a really good taste of what can happen when people work together, set aside their differences, love, care for one another. Um, I mean, that's amazing. But, I mean, not everyone can grow food. I mean, look at all the people that live in apartment buildings. Um, You know, that... (laughs) So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I mean, this is really quite a terrifying time, even though people don't really seem to understand that yet. And I'm, I'm not sure um, how, or if we're going to get out of it. Um, And I don't want to be, you know, negative, but yeah, I, I'm just not sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I can tell you um, the Canadians I've met here in Nicaragua and I'm, hoping to put together a video uh, package on it. Many of them have become afraid to speak. Uh, Some of them I spoke to before the emergency law came in. Uh, The rest refused to be interviewed because of their fear of having to go back to their country and possibly facing some kind of criminal penalty for speaking out. That's the level of fear among the Canadians that I met down here. And 100% of Canadians I met down here are, ferociously opposed to the lockdowns and the mandates and the majority of them have come here to escape them. One couple I met, they sold everything, got a one way ticket, a young couple. And they said that they had to get vaccinated to leave, that they couldn't leave their own country without taking the vaccine that they themselves did not want to take. Uh, that was how badly they wanted to get out. But then you have so many other people who are staying and fighting because, well, they want to stay and fight, but also they may not have the means
1: to leave. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say like, that's the point. Okay. I can't leave because all my kids are here and I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving my kids no matter what. Um, But what about all the people that I'd like to leave, but can't leave? And that's most people. I mean, most people don't have that luxury of just being able to leave and move to a different country. Right. So it's not very fair. Like just like I get it. I get why people have left and want to leave. But there's a part of me that just says, yeah, you have to stay and fight with the other people. Right. Like with those people in Ottawa, we have to stick together. And again, that's why it's so important. I mean, it's a cliche, but the whole thing united the people will never be defeated that is true that is true i mean that's why we have to unite so so we can't be defeated and if we're not going to unite we will be defeated and um it's it's you know really it's sort of that that simple you know in a way Um, well
0: i can say just for myself you know i definitely don't agree with everyone who's at you know who might be at a defeat the mandates and anti-mandate rally on other issues but the the thing that bothers me the most is the prominent leftists who tell me in private that they oppose the mandates but will not lift a finger to do anything and they could make such a difference and so i'm going to just i'm going to i'm going to speak at those rallies if they invite me i'm going to i'm going to speak i'm going to present my view of reality And it's going to be a lot different than the view of reality that maybe some other speakers will present. But I'm going to do it because I oppose the mandates and I oppose them as the basis of a biomedical security regime. And that's just what I'm going to do as an individual. I'm going to keep doing journalism and I'm not going to be deterred. Um, And I can say that, you know, part of what has brought me here, uh, aside from my own Personal beliefs and decisions um, is learning from wor- the work of researchers like yourself, Corey. Um, you've been out there for several years, and you've been helping people unpack so many psyops and deep political events. Um, I don't know if there's any anything else you want to say, or you can um, tell our audience uh, where they can find your work.
1: Um, there probably is lots of other stuff I wanted to say, <laughs> but you know we can do it another time. I do a podcast with John Stepling, um, author and playwright, and Yuki Hamada, a New York artist, Rune Matur from India, and um, Johan, how do you say his last name, Obedo Odebo from Sweden. We do a podcast called Aesthetic Resistance, um, sort of um, Marxist, leftist, socialist, communist, all these things that we discuss. Um, We've been talking about this issue Right with um, the Pfizer left, whatever you want to call them, and everything, the psychology, the psychological madness behind this on the descent into global fascism. We've been talking about all that on our podcast probably for the last year. I um, have not been able to write as much as I wanted, even though I've got a lot of stuff like halfway done, just because um, it's been really brutal over here for my family. And um, we've been through a lot. So um, wrong kind of green, the art of annihilation. And I try to keep my Twitter account, um, active and that's pretty much it. I can't do any more than that. Um, what else? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much, so much to talk about all the time. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's where people can find me. And I'm just trying to think if I have any final last thoughts. Probably after we're done, we're done, I'll think of a lot of things that I wish <laughs> you know that I forgot to talk about. I guess just more maybe mention again. You mentioned the five eyes. Um, just like when you look at the vaccine consumption on a chart, maybe we can link to that, Max. Um, you see, like Canada, I think maybe is number one. You have U.S. Basically, you have all the countries consume with the highest vaccine con- or experimental experimental injection consumption and that goes down to all the countries in the world and the very top five are the five eyes right and then the the six countries actually Japan which is trying to become the six eye if people don't know what this is um maybe we can link to a thread or maybe you can explain um I didn't even know what the five eyes was uh a year and a half ago I kept hearing it here and there I was like what is that a real thing what is that so that's a real thing right i went to canadian government website read about it started look you know finding it it's um but if people don't know it was created in the 1940s it's like the most powerful surveillance alliance in the world oh that's a different one than i have i can't really see that um
2: yeah it's a little
1: I'll, i'll find it um so it's the most powerful surveillance alliance in the world and we don't know a lot about it because it was only made public, I guess, with the Snowden files. But that's um, definitely, I would say, tied into this as well. So you got the World Economic Forum, which was started with money from the European Union. A lot of people don't know the, the, the U.S. hand of the World Economic Forum is the business roundtable, the U.S. business roundtable. That's, um, I think that was started by the Alcan CEO and I believe General Electric CEO back in the 70s. Very, very, they really demolished the labor, labor movement. Um, Anyway, that's, that's the U.S. arm of the Great Reset. And then you've got the European Union, you've got the Commonwealth over here, you've got Prince Charles, his Great Reset, um, you've got his Sustainable Markets Initiative. Like, this is a monster, (laughs) This, this is a monster you know you've got now the who and you've got all the, you know you, you've got United Nations which is partnered with the world economic Forum this is a monster right we've got capital now at the helm and so if you can think of it in this way that I mean it's pretty simple everything is to serve capital everything is to serve emerging markets even with these back with these um injections we don't really know where that's going yet i mean it looks like it um definitely could be tied into depopulation we're not sure it could be um immunity it could just be experimental um you know imagine being able to experiment on a whole global population right as we go into precision medicine as we go into gene editing synthetic bio synthetic biology and everything that's coming forward synthetic food um you know basically redesigning the whole planet redesigning all of nature depending what will live, what will die. Right. Um, so well, of
0: course, only those who are wealthy and of means will be able to redesign themselves. Uh, yeah. Everyone else will be, uh, vulnerable to whatever the next pandemic is that Bill Gates has somehow yeah. predicted through his crystal ball.
1: Slightly. So- I mean, we haven't seen the fallout for fertility yet from this, whether it will be impacted or not, but definitely, um, the future is looking at children being, you know, that's number one, the gene editing of children and babies, right. And they're talking about artificial wombs in 20 years time, um, you know, using skin cells, for, um, to create eggs, all kinds of things. I mean, I think it's important to say, and another reason why we really have to align behind, respect um, Indigenous Peoples, First Nations, get behind them in the land back movements um, as true stewards of biodiversity is because um, these people hate hate nature. They hate nature. They do. Um, and, I, and I always say this, they hate the feminine. They really do. And you see that in the work they do. They put on a great big thing like World Economic Forum. Right now, the greatest, the biggest land grab Ever is happening right now. They haven't got it through yet. That's all happening through the United Nations. Um, Hasn't happened yet through all the climate meetings and that, but they're working on it and no one even knows what it is. They're, you know, putting nature onto Wall Street, right? Who will be the Bill Gates of ecosystem services, right? Another thing which you will access according to your digital data and according to your compliance and according you know, to, um, how you fit into this new society. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's just, um,
0: well, we should do, we should do a separate, we should, uh, we should follow up in the future, uh, with an interview just focused on the financialization of nature. It's something I wanted to do. I think we we could talk for another hour and a half here. Um, you know, this has been fascinating going from the, on the ground details of this, truckers strike in Ottawa, to the air-conditioned, highly securitized offices of the World Economic Forum, uh, and drawing a link between the two has been really important. And I think you know anyone who wants to learn more should go to your site, The Art of Annihilation, uh, El Provocateur on Twitter. And I'm going to be checking out your podcast. I actually didn't know about it. Uh, this Rockfin show, by the way, I do it exclusively for Rockfin. It is behind a paywall if you want to catch it live. I think that's the best experience. The chats are awesome. Um, there's, I, I learned so much just from reading the chats. Uh, but it will be publicly available in about 48 hours. And I'm putting the audio on uh, Spotify and um, everywhere else that you can get on your surveillance smartphone. So that's that's a new development. So look for that, um, but I do have to run. So Corey Morningstar, thanks so much for your time and all your insights.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right, peace everybody.
1: Peace.